I'd like to speak part two of what I spoke at, at Brother Wayne's, or at Brother Ray's, Brother Wayne's, Brother Wayne's, Ray's. Uh, and uh, if that would be okay, and I'll just start out with the same scripture that we used there. Exodus chapter 12, and we'll just go, we'll just go down to verse 7. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 7. Amen. And they shall take the, of the blood and shall strike it on two sides of the post and on the upper door post of the house wherein they shall eat of it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night Roast it with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not out of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast it with fire, and his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. That which remain of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it. Now notice these words. Thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it with haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall, shall be to you for a token upon your houses where ye are, and when I see the angel blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the, of the, the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it at the feast of the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. Let's talk to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we love you tonight and are so incredibly thankful for what you have done. Lord, we have watched the events of the last few weeks within the bride, not just within the bride, but the world is taking shape. Prophecy being fulfilled daily. Things that are happening. The bride is in revival like never before. Your supernatural hand, Satan fighting against us with everything that he can. Because he realizes, just like this scripture is saying, we are at the end of the end. We're the final voice to the final age. And we realize that all the prophecies have come to this point. It's a going home time for us. And Lord, we'll, we'll slip out of here. And Lord, while we're here, let us shine the light to a dark and dying 
age. Lord, they won't realize that they've slipped into tribulation. Be no messenger there to tell them that the tribulation has started. It will have just slipped into that. But there was a messenger that came that told us of these events that would happen. Now sharpen our attention, catch our hearts, minister to our needs, even as I stand here and preach today, anoint our lips for our hearts for rapture. Lord, may we be ready. May we be on the mark like never before, Father. Speak to our hearts now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. You may be seated. Last week we went to Brother Ray Erickson's to speak. <clears throat> and on Thursday morning, just before going there, I had prayed, I had dedicated time to prepare for that meeting, and I felt it was going in a certain direction, and then on Thursday morning, the Lord woke me up. It was at 4.06, I looked over at the clock, and, and I heard the voice of the Lord, and he spoke to me these words, experiencing fulfillment. Experiencing fulfillment. And then the third time he spoke to me again, experiencing fulfillment. Any minister that's got any salt to him immediately knows that that's not his thoughts, that's God's thoughts. And God wants to say something. And so I quickly, at that time in the morning, begin to, begin to make notes and thoughts and while that presence was in the room. And then just a bit later, I would, I would, I would lay back down and, and I would fall asleep and the Lord would give me a dream and, and that dream would give me direction for, for the next coming months. And uh, later I will share that with my family. That's more of a family thing to share, not a world thing to share. But I would get a visitation in that dream. <clears throat> I, I, I just, as, as I begin to look at these things and then look what happened, we went to, to Brother Wayne's and house and Brother Wayne was hosting us on, on the evening of Saturday afternoon. We would only speak Sunday morning. And Brother, Brother Ray was sitting beside of me. His, basically, his family was sitting there in the room and it was actually two rooms and and there was, the sisters were there, the brothers were there. I don't, I don't have an idea. Maybe 40 people was in the room and, and some children that was there. And Brother Ray just asked me a question about the supernatural. And we just began to talk about the supernatural for just a bit. And as we began to talk, it just dropped it just dropped. It felt like the hair on my head caught on fire. It, it felt like the presence of God was consumed. And it felt like you didn't want to say a word out of place. Amen. We're not here to recreate that because that same presence is already here. And Brother Ray began to speak in tongues. 
One by one, individuals got a word from the Lord for them. It was not a dry eye in the room. And then Brother Wayne had a request, and, and we began to pray. Tongues were being spoken of a heavenly language. And, and that, that event was just life-changing. Now, only just a couple of weeks before that, we had been with, with Brother Biscal and Brother Tim Pruitt, Brother Michael Ray, and then there was several people that were there. Matthew was there. Uh, there was quite a few that was in the room, and it was kind of the same setting. And we just began to, to talk about supernatural things and, and things that had happened with us, things that would happen with Brother Tim, with little Drew, that, that conversation would be, then Sister Karen, how God has been with us through cancer. Brother Biscoe would be making comments and, and after just about 20 minutes, he about 20 minutes of that presence being there, he, he just said, many years ago, I was in a presence like this. And we were sitting at the table with Brother Branham. And he said, I'll tell you, that pillar of fire, Brother Branham said, that pillar of fire is hanging about two feet from us. Brother Biscoe said, that same presence is here. Then that same presence was at the table with, at Brother Wayne's house. I want that presence at my house. And I say that because it comes. He's welcome anytime. Not just at the house, but in this church. I want it for your homes. When these people were asked to get their, get their lamb ready, it had to be perfect. It had to be a certain way. Blood had to be on the door because the angel was passing by. The death angel was passing, and, and listen, life after today, it wasn't going to never be the same. For those Egyptian people, their oldest child was going to perish that night because they had rejected the message. Whatever nation you're listening to, whether you're sitting in Switzerland or in Ireland, wherever you're at listening to this message today, I want you to understand, because this world has turned down the message, we're preparing to leave. This message is rapture message. This message turned Abraham and Sarah back young again. That's a type that there were a people that were going to receive this Melchizedek of this age. This mighty angel of this day that would stand at the pulpit night after night after night. Let me just say, you say, well, Brother Ron, I'm looking for vindication today. You are the vindication. God will not send another messenger. He's already came. But as he began to speak those words to me, experiencing fulfillment, experiencing 
fulfillment. I begin to realize that we're no longer just looking for things to happen. I want you to be real conscious with me. We're no longer just looking for things to happen or one day or I just hope I'm here or I, 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 it's happening. And it's like an Enoch walk. It's like a Rebecca ride with Elohiza. The word is carrying you. The dress fits. It's not you having to make yourself do anything. We're not a religious order. We're not just another church. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. And we've been married to him by a message of the hour that has put us in position. Now, I want you to stay with me. We realize that dimensions are blending. We realize that the world has fallen apart. But this is the result. What you're seeing today on our streets is the results of seeds that have been sowed for a hundred years. And now the harvest is in our cities, it's in our schools, it's in our communities. You could put an Abraham Lincoln and a George Washington in every county in America. It won't turn it around. Brother Branham said, he said, uh, our children and grandchildren will never pay off the tax debt that they're spending. I'd say that's true today. We have spent so far until there's no way to ever unspend it. <clears throat> Blame can be placed in a lot of different directions. A lot of directions it can be, and we are now experiencing, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to kind of bring you into it. When you go to the gas station, you're experiencing. Amen. And maybe you don't have an idea of why you're experiencing that. Is is because men have made the decision that they're going to put windmills. And they're going to put solar panels. And America's going to be run by a battery. Well, they tried that in the 1900s and about the 1910s and it didn't work. It just didn't work. But you see, the seed of that never died. And as people, we face the penalty of billionaires making choices. Don't freeze up on me. Many people sit in churches and their churches are dead. And maybe they're even mega churches. 
and their churches have lost grip, lost their moral compass. They, have, they don't have any strength for revival. You'll never turn around how women dress in those places. You'll never turn out. You'll never turn around the ministry where the God moves from the front to the back. So you have to manufacture programs and you have to manufacture worship by worship teams. You have to have a you have to have the old traditional music for, for a certain class and, and you have to have contemporary music for a certain class. You can't buy a lawnmower without a voting system take place. Preacher preaches too long, they'll get rid of him after a while. If he doesn't have a certain style, if he doesn't have a certain manner about him, they'll move him on after a while. But the reason they've done that, they moved God on. Ichabod is written over the door. And it says the presence of God has departed. Brother Branham walked to the pulpit and he preached blasphemous names. This is not going to be one of his most popular messages. And he will name denominational systems that's went off without God. They crucified the word again afresh and said God don't do miracles no more. And he began to go down through how that they're not looking for even an Elijah in this day. Amen. What they did was they didn't understand it, but they were experiencing fulfillment. They were sitting in a pew watching their church die. They were watching their church die. They were watching their church change. Brother Branham was here when there was just less than 1% to said take prayer out of school. Elijah was here. Elijah was here. So was some other kings here. Martin Luther King was here. Elvis Presley was here. John F. Kennedy was here. There were a lot of things that were going on where Brother Branham was here. And at the same time of all of that, the seals were being released. You see, the world's gonna do what it's gonna do. They're gonna make their decisions. The outside noise is going to do theirs, but God's got a plan. And they cried to take prayer out of schools. But listen, it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. They took prayer out of the government. And then they took the prayer out of churches. And too many people have taken prayer out of homes. I pray that's never your situation in your life. 
Backsliding is not drinking, smoking, cheating, and lying and stealing. Backsliding is quit feeding the fire that's in your life. It's getting satisfied, getting numb by the world and its system. Brother Branham would make a state, but he said, he'd call it, don't be numb. Numbness. He'd also say, uh, paralyzing your faith. Call it dull of hearing. Maybe we could say distracted by the world. I remember Brother Dan Daisley coming to this pulpit. We came and sat for just another service, and Brother Dan walked through the back of the, of the building. He walked in, no tie on. He just walked in his jovial self. I said, where, where have you been? I said, what are you doing here? He said, I just come through. He said, well, when, when did you get here? He said, well, I've been here all week. He said, I just came to relax, stayed in a hotel. He said, I thought I'd come have service with us. I said, good, you're preaching. He said, okay. He walked out here. You know the story. You've been here for a while. You walked out here, and he began to preach to us. And he made an announcement to us. My wife is having an affair. This audience it sent a shock wave. You could just feel it from the front to the back. And as he began to preach, we realized real quickly it wasn't his wife, but it was. It was like Eve having an affair on Adam. It was like Pentecost becoming Catholic. And if we're not careful, we'll start looking at another lover. Are you with me? You can't love God and love the world at the same time. It just don't work out. Sitting on a fence just don't work out. Like that sermon Aaron spoke, I think he spoke it in, in Ohio, on empty fences. <laughs> you got to make a decision somewhere or another. We didn't realize that this would be Brother Dan's last sermon to preach. He would walk out of here, it would be his last sermon here. But he was saying something to this audience. Don't be found with another lover. Brother Homer, his last sermon was, be you therefore ready in such an hour as you think not. Sometimes we come to church, we sit there and we think, well, this is the way it's always going to be. I, I made the statement as I was standing in front of probably 400 people at Brother Ray Erickson's, knowing the condition of where, where we're at in life, have no promise of being able to be there next year after 29 years of preaching there. No promise that I'll have enough strength to be there next year to do that. But listen, while we're here, in this moment that we're here, let's take advantage. And as I begin to make some statements, this may be your last service. They didn't know that Charlie and Rachel, Charlie was sitting right there, Charlie and Rachel was getting ready to go to heaven. 
that theophany body that we sing about was getting ready to pick them up. God's not dainty whether we go by a car wreck or whether we go by cancer or whether we go by a fire. He's not dainty. Saying that, sometimes we glorify death. We sing about death. We glorify it. We worship it. And, and let me, let me just, just tell you here. Cancer is not going to kill me. Fourth stage cancer, it's, it's not going to kill me. The day that God decides to bring me home, cancer will have absolutely nothing to do with it. So I don't fear cancer or the sugar. I don't fear that. To worship cancer is like worshiping a taxi cab. Worshiping cancer is like worshiping a taxi cab. None of us in our rightful mind want to worship a, a taxi cab. So don't worship the cancer. Don't worship the heart attack. Because God's greater than all of that. And death only changes your dwelling place. And death can't come a second too early until God says, all right, now go move him. Go move him from that house to this house. Go move him from that wretched pest house to this house where he'll never suffer again. He'll never agonize again. He'll never have another problem again. He'll never age another day. Satan can't never touch him again. Worshiping death is kind of like getting in an Uber car and trying to figure out the life story to the driver. All of my concern is, is you get me from point A to point B. I don't need to know how many kids you have. I don't need... Come on, church, let's preach. Death fell from heaven. It fell from heaven. When God said, let there be light, there was darkness. Darkness is only the antitype to tell us how great our God is. Amen. So we realize that there are certain events that we experience that has been preordained. And you start experiencing them. And you know, sometimes we're sitting in a service and don't realize that God is being the very discerner of our thoughts and the intents of our heart. And He's come to our kitchen, He's come to our bedroom. He's come to where we pray and he's answering our prayer 
And we're thinking about how long the preacher has preached. Or who's here or who's not here. I learned a long time ago, I preach to the people that are here. And who's not here, I'm not, I'm, you know, they're just going to do their own deal. But we're going to have church. So let's just suppose, let's do it this way. Brother Branham has preached, uh, let's go, Patriarch Abraham. And so he's just preached and, and he's just talked about Abraham and the promise to Abraham and El Shaddai and all of these, these parts of the sermon. And he said, now let's turn from evangelistic work, says this by direct quote, let's turn from a, the evangelistic work to, to a prophetic work. Now I want to caution you right here for those that have never heard some of these things. I want to say this to you. There wasn't another charismatic preacher in the world. And there's never been one since Jesus Christ that had a Messiah gift or a Messiah sign like God showed this generation. But it was to get your attention that you would hear the thunders and hear the seals and hear the prophetic word. It was more than just to call a patient up and tell them their condition. Well, let's just say you're the patient. And you've handed in your card, tuberculosis, or whatever your disease was. You're standing there. Brother Denny, you're standing there. And you're standing just feet. And Brother Brown says, now, now don't be afraid of that. That presence between you and I is him. And he would tell us many times, when that presence comes around, that's him. You just ask for more of him. Don't be afraid of that. That's him. That's, that's him in your home. That's when you're praying. You, you feel him come. That's him. Don't you be afraid of that. It's a good time to repent, too. The zeal of this age is to repent. I'm sorry for the things that I've made mistakes. And then, and then uh, he began to talk to them. And maybe he would turn, and they're standing their feet from them. Maybe they've been suffering this with this for decades. And they're standing there in front of him. And they've been to tons of doctors, spent incredible amounts of money. Nobody's given them hope. Now they're standing. And they're standing there. And now that prophet turns and maybe calls out somebody over here, somebody over there, and somebody over there, and comes back to, now are you patient? Yes, yes, sir. yes, I am. He begins to talk about the woman at the well. Maybe talks about blind Bartimaeus. What he's doing is he's raising the faith of that audience and taking them back to the same Messiah son that was there with Abraham and Sarah. Are you with me? Because God is amening the hour and a half sermon that he's just preached. Now, if God don't do this, may he strike me dead. You heard him say that over and over again. For the critics, you need to re-listen to that. So, so, are you the patient? Yes. I see you. Your name is so-and-so. Yes. You're, you're, you're not from here. You're from this place. That's right. That's right. You've been to a doctor. That's right. 
and then go right down the line. One person, 22 different things. If he's wrong one time, blows it all away. Well, I don't know so much about that it did to that patient. You know, you could have critics all over the building. It's not for you, no way. This is not for the unbeliever. You know, you may have friends who say, well, I, they don't want to come to church. It don't matter. Well, they don't see what I see. It don't matter. It's for you. Here's a girl, she's blindheaded sitting right here. All right, raise your hand right there. She'd never been around any kind of thing like this. And uh, she meets a boy and she starts coming. She's, she's riding four hours for these services. She could stay at home and just blow this off and say, I'll see you when you get back home. I'll see you Monday. But there's something on the inside of you that's causing you to really like this. Isn't that right? That's right. There you go, there's your answer. And he's going to make everything work for you good. He's going to do that for you. That's nice, isn't it? Now that patient, she's standing there. And she may not feel nothing. And Brother Brown will go, now, you go believe him. And maybe walk off of that stage with incredible disease. And in a few days she begins to notice, I'm not sick anymore. <laughs> I'm not sick anymore. I, I, I'm not sick anymore. I, I feel good. And begins to confess that by his stripes I'm healed. And there's not a devil in hell that can stop that. And she just begins to confess. Now all of us has got a human grab bag of, of weaknesses in our humanity. As we begin to get older and things begin to happen in our lives and we begin to deteriorate. But God's still a healer. Sister Whitney, we said this the other day, Sister Whitney, had, we'd spent thousands and thousands of dollars and had all kind of doctors to, to see her because of this eating disorder. And, and she couldn't eat certain things and couldn't eat certain things and, and she would try to eat and she would try, she would try and she would get sick. And, and we, we wanted our best for the baby. But the other night, as she was coming into that prayer line at the tent, as they were pulling me out, God stopped us. And in a moment, in a moment, God healed her. Are you with me? Let me 
to say, sometimes we're sitting and standing, and Brother Bram would say these words, in two worlds at the same time. If we could only be conscious of what is going on around us. We don't have a day off with God. I heard last night, doom devils are on the run. Are you with me? They've come to their end. They realize they've thrown everything at the bride of Jesus Christ and there's nothing, there's nothing that has deterred her faith. Brother Brown would tell us two years before of a certain animal that he's going to kill, a caribou, 42-inch horns. Actually, he wouldn't know it would be a caribou. He just knew it was a certain animal, had a certain color, but the horns were a certain way and be exactly 42 inches. Now, that's incredible, but that's only half. He and the guide would be walking down off of the mountain and they would kill a silver-tipped grizzly bear one shot with too small a gun. Now, I've heard Brother Busco tell it. I heard Brother Branham tell it. Even the God had never seen that kind of an animal. And he had definitely never seen a silver-tipped grizzly bear. The area was new to him, but he had never seen that kind of a grizzly bear there. And so they're there, and they're glassing the area, and there have been days now, and there, there they are. There is that caribou. And Brother Branham said that we must go this way. We must go this way to get to him. And the God told him, said, we can't go that way. We'll cause a rock slide. And he said, well, that's what the angel said for us to do. He said, let's go. Are you with me? The caribou shot. Brother Branham is standing there reeling in the vision. He's experiencing the fulfillment of it taking place. Are you catching what I'm doing now? He's experiencing. It don't take long. It's just minutes. Two years. Now it's just minutes happening. Boom, 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 boom. Brother Biscoe standing there in a green checkered shirt. He had told his wife to throw it away, but she ironed it, put it back in. He fell in the mud, had to put it back on. Because it had to fulfill the vision. He stood here in this pulpit and told us that. Listen, we as ministers, we don't have any agenda to lie to you. We don't have any agenda to embellish the story. Let me just say, God don't need to be propped up. His word is true. He's, he's incredibly accurate. Now, I, as a minister, realize you've heard these stories a hundred times, but you don't realize what I'm going to do with that. Now, they're walking back down off of the mountain, pictures, no doubt taken, measured exactly 42 inches. Brother Biscoe actually says, I hinged my entire faith 
and that thing being exactly 42 inches. If it had been a quarter one way or the other, there would have been room for error. But it was exactly 42 inches. Brother Branham and his guide are walking back, Bud is walking down and off of the hill. Now they're walking. But the second part now is coming. And Bud begins to explain to him, Brother Branham, I can see for miles. And I can't see a grizzly bear, a bear, anywhere. Brother Branham asked him about even his brother. You know, they begin to talk. And he says, Bud, are you doubting the vision? Now, here's where I want to go with this. I, I'm explaining to you part two of this incredible vision. Listen, there's not a guide anywhere in the world that you describe to him, I want to kill, I want to kill a, 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 a white-tailed deer and it to be 208 score. May it be so. And may Jason mount that deer. <laughs> and, then, and then when we get done with that, we're going to kill an elk on the way back down off of the ridge. There's not a God in the world who wants to sign up for that. That's a dream. That's more than even Hollywood can control. But that's not, that's not even thinking about. We got a God. I, I want to just stop here for a moment. We've had the message delivered to us. Part one said, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the great and the dreadful day of the Lord. The message came. He delivered. You don't have to add nothing to it. We don't need another great man to come on the scene. We don't need another popularity. We don't need a kingdom builder. The message is delivered. Now the devil whispers in your ear, especially when there's time. As it stretches out over decades and it stretches out, but God made a promise. He's never failed on a promise. Check him out, he's never failed. Well, Brother Ron, I, I need vindication. Well, what are you going to vindicate it by? Some silly college education idiot? Oh, but I got a better idea. Our nation can't figure out who to have as a president. 
We've come to the end. I'm sorry. My insurance agent told me the other day I need to be careful in the pulpit. Well, I'm going to do my best. It's a no-brainer. We need somebody to guard our school. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. We don't need to kill our unborn babies. It's a no-brainer. And I just want to say this to you. God sent you a prophet. He sent you a prophet. He's your prophet whether you believe him or you don't believe him. He was a prophet to get you in the rapture or send you into the tribulation period. But he's still a prophet. Well, Brother Ron, he sent, he said some things that I didn't I didn't agree with. Okay. Okay. Let's go to our prayer line. Let's go, let's let's go to a private prayer. There's a woman that's been Brother Branham's friend for decades, and she's got a nervous condition. And Brother Branham says, one day, one day when the angel's here, just have her to come in, and we'll pray with. She walks in, they bring her in, they set her down. Brother Ranham says, I, I see you when your husband was away at war. And you were in a certain, certain car. And you just about get hit by a train. And you was with another man. I see that. She could have got mad. She could have stomped out. But now she realizes decades didn't cover up her sin. And she's sitting there, I can't confess that to my husband. Now her husband wasn't in the room. I can't confess that to my husband. It would destroy our marriage. And Brother Brown says, bring your husband here. He's got the same problem. Now listen, that wasn't just in prayer, but that was in preaching. When Brother Branham is preaching, is your life worthy of the gospel? And he goes through the characteristics of a Christian life. There will be spots in there that you go, ooh, that stung. Woo, that stung. Brother Roger, you had a statement that Homer was getting on your toes. And you would pull your shoes up under. He said, still stomp my feet. You could have got mad. And you and Brother Homer were best of friends. But the zeal of this age is to repent. Somehow we want the Holy Ghost. I sat with Gabriel this morning at breakfast. and We have breakfast every Sunday morning. It's kind of a thing that we do. Thank you, Sarah. It's a thing that we do. We have breakfast every Sunday morning together. And I was sitting there and explaining to him like a jelly jar. 
Now that jelly jar can't be sealed until all the impurities are out of it. So you can wash the jar, you get all the impurities out, you, you cook the jelly, you get it exactly ready, everything is just right, then you put a cap on it. If the impurities are out of it and you cook it just right, it will seal. And you can set it on a jar forever. Or a long time. Understand that. But if there's rottenness on the inside of it, if there's rottenness on the inside of it, when the repentance is preached, that thing will blow up. You can desire to have the Holy Ghost for a hundred years, but if you're not right, somebody ought to be helping me right now. It's daily in your prayer life. Well, I, I don't have any. Brother Branham said pray to repent of your unbelief. That's one of the biggest things. We're expecting rapture where he changes our body more than just cleanses us of cancer. He's going to turn me back to a red-headed boy again where I can run like a deer. I tell some of you kids that's interested in athletics, when I was a boy, I was the fastest boy in our class. I weighed 118 pounds, I could fly. I was strong because we put up hay all of our life. Since a little boy, put up thousands of bales of hay every year. Worked hard. Lift weights? Well, I could lift about 350 pounds for a bench press. Then I set a record. Six it's for you, Brother Denny. <laughs> I never told my boys those things. Homer told me, he said, don't tell your boys those things. He told them a lot of things, but he told me, don't tell them none of that. We were buying a bull one day. We're looking across at a black Angus bull weighing about 700 pounds. And the guy that was, we were buying it from knew me in another life. And he started telling these two guys back here, not you, William, but Matt and Andrew, he started telling them about a, a guy that came into the grocery store where we worked and said he'd been beat up by a gang. Said he was, he was beat up and said couldn't come to work for a week. He'd been beat up by a gang. He said, I found out it was your daddy that did that. You know that guy. Was you there? I told him, I said, Greg, don't tell these boys that kind of stuff. They've never heard it. You see, I'm not proud of those things, and I didn't tell you that I would be proud of that. And I'm not proud of that. But I am proud that since God changed my life, I have grinned while I've defeated a lot of devils in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
And I'm saying that, I'm not going to get done, but I'm, I'm saying this. I experienced what this message is. I grew up, and I, I had an upper hand on many of you. I grew up listening to tapes. That was in our home. You can't substitute that. Hearing the prophet's voice, listening to the word. I grew up in that kind of an atmosphere. I'm tying some things together. One of the worst fights I was ever in was when a guy told me that Brother Branham wasn't a prophet in a bar room. That was a really bad thing to do. It was a bad thing to tell me that Brother Branham wasn't a prophet because I was convinced. You know, it's even still a bad thing to do to this 60-year-old guy to tell me that Brother Branham wasn't a prophet. I'm not going to whip you physically, but I'm going to tell you where your choices will take you, and it ain't going to be good. You'll start falling like you've never fell before in your life. Sin will take you somewhere. And before long, this won't work for you. You're going to have to have another one. And there's no church will fit you. Before long, husbands and wives are gone and children are gone. Don't even know their own genders anymore. When I got a change, I realized that I had to so repent and keep repenting and keep repenting and keep repenting because I needed to keep my spirit clean. Now, I want to give you just a little bit right now. In your Enoch walk in Laodicea, Satan can't get to your soul because that's sealed for eternity. But he can get to your flesh. How many ever feel that temper rise up just a little bit and it ain't done that in 10 years and all of a sudden, boom, somebody cut you off at a red light. Boom. Yep, I'm preaching to the right group. Then if you can't work on your flesh, you'll go right to your spirit. In there lays conscience and memory, affections. Your feelings lay on the inside of all of that and begin to work backwards and forwards with your flesh. And if you're not careful, he'll bring up Tin Can Alley. And you'll be texting some old girlfriend. Oh, come on, somebody help me preach. You got no business doing that. Texting some old guy out there that you used to drink and smoke and cheat and lie with. Let me just say this to you. Let him go. We're not headed in the same direction. Brother Ron, 
But I keep hearing these words. But the rapture keeps getting further and further and further away. Are you doubting the vision? Are you doubting the vision? When you're actually walking in it. Did you catch those last words? When you're actually walking in it. That little girl, the armor and company girl, how many remember that story? Yeah. She fixed breakfast last time. Made beds last time. Took her apron off last time. One of these mornings, notice when God told them with the, with the token, put your shoes on, be ready. You ain't going to have time to clean your closets out to get your shoes just right. You got to be ready in such an hour as you think not. Brother Ron, I got all the time in the world. Last week, Putin told us how quick he could destroy America. Four bombs. He could do it in less than 30 minutes. He's just reiterating what Brother Branham said long time ago. He couldn't do what he's doing except for a prophet. Come on, church. You don't need some prognosticator to tell you all of those things. You definitely don't need a talking head on Fox News to tell you all those things or CNN with their filter. You had a prophet. I don't have the answer of how it all works out. We're already driving cars that are smarter than even Brother Branham explained. We've already had a woman in an office with purple dress. Los Angeles is shook and shook and shook. Sin is everywhere. It's everywhere. The world has fell apart. Russia's doing what they're doing. They're preparing. They're, they're ranking it. They're, they're shaking the world. They're shaking the world. Don't let $10 gas blur your vision. I don't know about you, but I, I get aggravated at $5 gas. But our Canadian friends are paying $10. $10. Their money. God has an agenda. It's kind of like putting your shoes on. And I, I don't want to come to some sort of a close here. It'd be alright if I save this till a couple weeks, but. One night, Brother Jewel Forney was going to the camp meeting. And he was going to the service that night, and, and I would be speaking. And he said, I walked into my, my closet, and he said, the voice spoke to him, said, put on a suit. You're going to, you're going to be praying in the prayer line with Brother Ron. Well, I preached that evening. 
and it come to time to pray for those that were needing prayer, and it was just an immediate prayer line that went all the way up. Some of you were there. And I motioned back, and there was probably 40 preachers sitting in that corner. And I just motioned like that. And Jewel immediately jumped out of his seat. He said, God didn't tell the rest of them, he told me. Now I'm going to use that. He didn't tell the rest of them, he told me to go there and to put on the suit. He didn't tell the whole world this message. He told me. And I'm one of them. explain an experience? How do you explain it? What was it like to get burned by fire? It was hot. (laughs) What was it like to fall off of a roof? I didn't feel an angel. It just hurt. What is it like to fight cancer? It's kind of like having the flu every day. But in all of those cases, Jesus is with you. We stepped out of a restaurant and I looked down at the end of the street and there stood Andrew with Tom Ray. And in just a few seconds, Andrew was a different guy. From that experience, you get a song leader like you got and a preacher like you got. And he feeds it. He's a good student of the message. Sister Ruth, you know that. You feed from his ministry. And you feed from that experience, but it's not just his experience, but now you want yours. It's not just enough for him to have it, but Katie's got to get it. Their children's got to get it. I'll never forget when I baptized you, Brother Jordan and Sister Kirsten, in their old order clothes. To me, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life because it was showing one thing is dying and a new life is coming. And I, I looked at him last night and he was on his feet. And he was dressed to the nines. He wasn't in old order last night. Daddy's at home. What happened? He experienced something more than church. More than a pew. More than tapes and books. But this message, I heard it. It works. 
Hallelujah. You'll be drinking coffee, maybe hot tea, and you'll feel a little wave come by you. Maybe you'll look out the door, coming up your walkway, you'll see your mama coming, just stepping up on the steps. Don't be scared, just let her in. You hear that voice of Homer. You never knew him as a young man, but you see his structure. Thomas is his best friend, and you see him as a young man. But what you don't realize, you look like that too. And all of this that we've been preaching, you're now experiencing. with all of our hearts.
Spirit rained down. The other day we were at the table. The presence of the Lord just dropping. While it was there, Brother Wayne just said, did y'all feel it raining? Did any of you other people feel it raining? No. It felt like I was on fire. Maybe you're sitting in this seat today and saying, Brother Ron, I just want him to come near me now. Whatever I need, I ask him to touch my life. Brother Wayne said, I just felt it felt like rain falling all over me. God just knows exactly how to get your attention today to touch your life. He's so personal, want to get it this way, want to get it this way. To one to be like thunder, to another to be a still small voice. Won't you just raise your hand and say, Father, don't let me walk out of this building without a touch from you. I don't know what I'll have to go through. Charlie and Rachel didn't know what they were getting ready to go through. Father, prepare me for the week. Prepare me for what the doctor says. Prepare me for what others are going through. Help me, dear God. Oh, saturate. 
Jesus draw me close Oh, just closer, Lord, to Thee Oh, let the world around me Let it fade away Oh, Jesus Draw, oh, draw me close, oh, closer, Lord, to Thee, for I desire to worship and obey. I hope is it.
It's the only hope that we have for experiencing this fulfillment of this body change. And what a mighty God that we serve. Sing that song, Our God is Tremendous, before we close this morning. Well, don't you love the Lord? Don't you appreciate the word of the Lord today? Amen. When I'm in need, I call on the Lord. And He hears me. Yes, He helps me. Faithful, holy, true, oh, won't forget his own. Oh, my companion, oh, my best friend, oh, the only true God. There's no one greater, oh, wonderful Savior, Jesus, the Lion of Judah. Our God is tremendous, his strength never failing. Through the fire just to save a sinner. Yes, he is almighty. Sends his angels to guide me. There's no storm too powerful. My God cannot handle. Our God is simplicity revealed in you and me. Came down from his glory and gave us a victory. The greatest love story. Just love's a paradox Just stay in your position And watch a 
Isn't he mighty? Isn't he glorious? Isn't he holy? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, what a presence. What an honor to spend the day in his presence. Let's sing that song, Mighty You Are. Lord God Almighty, well, you are clothed in majesty. Oh, the heavens declare your wonders. You are great and See you. 
Oh. 